Amen. God is God. God is sovereign. God is someone we can trust. And sometimes the plan isn't always clear. The path isn't always easy and marked. But we can trust that God is sovereign and that God's going to get us to the places where we need to be. We're going to be talking about this quite a bit here this morning, but we're going to begin by looking at the idea of permission first. You see, permission is something very, very interesting that we deal with in our life. Growing up, I always had to spend so much time asking for permission. It was one of the things I hated about elementary school the most. Like, hey, can I go get a drink? Hey, can I go to the bathroom? And, and I was a little more comfortable once I got to college when they let you make those decisions for yourself. But my relationship with permission also became very interesting when I became a pastor. Because suddenly, overnight, people were asking me for permission. Hey, Pastor, can we put this in the bulletin? Pastor, can we start this ministry? Pastor, what should we do about the boiler? (laughs) Those were my favorite. Those were my favorite. But permission is such an interesting thing. And in fact, even still today, I've become much more comfortable with this role that I have in churches. But when people meet me for the first time, outside of the church often, and they find out, right, oh, so what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a pastor of a church. The first question I get, and I'm not kidding, 90% of the time is people asking me for permission. They say, oh, you're a pastor, Can I still curse around you? (laughs) But we're not going to talk about any of that. (laughs) Permission is just this really funny thing. And within our lives as Christians, too, we're often asking for permission. God, will you let this happen? Will you do this? And so today, I want to kind of flip things on its head. And I want to give you permission to believe certain things. There will be three permissions that we will be talking about this morning, and I want to give you that permission to believe what I'm telling you here, because this might kind of run counter to what you've been told before, to what you've believed before this morning. So we'll start with three permissions, and then this will fold into the sovereignty of God and God's grand plan, how it all fits together. We will be looking at the book of Habakkuk. And you might be saying, Pastor, we've heard way too many sermons about Habakkuk. And then I would know that you're lying to me. (laughs) But it's fun to get into some of these Old Testament prophets that we don't spend a lot of time with. And I wanted to do that this morning. So it is found on page 824 and 825 in your Old Testaments, if you want to start leafing to it. And I've titled this sermon, God Has a Plan. If you would, please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. So yes, open up your Bibles to that little book of Habakkuk found on page 824, We're reading a chunk from chapter 1 and then a chunk from chapter 2. And if you would please stand, we stand when we read at this portion of the service just out of reverence and respect for the word being read among us. This is starting in chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not listen or cry to you violence and you will not save 
Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. Now jump to chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what God will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. And then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Church, this is the good news. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we have three permissions to get to this morning. And I want to start with number one, and I want to give you permission, church, to have negative emotions. You have permission to feel bad or sad or angry or frustrated. Now, as Christians, this might come as some sort of a surprise because we spend so much time focusing on on really good things, right? Praise and worship, love and forgiveness, compassion and grace, thanksgiving and generosity. It can quickly seem, if you're not paying careful attention, that your job as a Christian is just to be happy all the time. Certainly, those are the emotions we like to focus on, and certainly there is cause to spend a sermon on each one of those little points that I just mentioned. But what can get lost in the shuffle is we start to believe that it's not okay to have a tough time. It's not okay to feel down once in a while, or or sad, or frustrated, or even angry. I'm guessing that many of you who grew up in the church might have felt like you were getting that message at times, right? You had to to go to Sunday school and you were never allowed to ask a question, were you? These, These are the stories my mother told me, at least, that in her day when she went to a Lutheran church growing up, things were very strict. And she's got this message in between that kind of told her that she just needed to be happy and agree and get along. And that's what it meant to be a Christian. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is actually much bigger and more generous than that. You are allowed to have negative emotions. Now let's be very clear before we get too far down this path and recognize the fact that emotions are one thing and actions are something else. And very often your negative emotions can lead to very negative actions. And that is not what your pastor is condoning this morning. But the emotions themselves are holy and good just for what they are. God created you to be the person that you are. And God created, yes, your emotions as well. And we would do well to recognize and respect the sacredness and the holiness of every emotion that we feel and that others feel. Again, the real difficulty is making sure you don't act out on those emotions from time to time, but to simply feel sad and admit that to yourself. To simply feel frustrated and admit that to yourself. That is more than okay, and frankly, that is how God created you to live. 
We need to respect these emotions, church, and recognize them as the gifts of God that they are. In fact, scientific research would back me up on this as well. They have found that when you try to suppress your emotions or hold certain things in, that it's terrible for your physical health. Stress and high blood pressure, all of those things are often the result of people trying to force their body to feel a certain way. People who don't want to admit to themselves that they're in need or they're struggling or they're hurting and grieving. We would do well to respect the emotions that God gives us more and to listen to them and to express them, yes, in appropriate ways. Which brings us to permission number two. It's okay to be angry with God. Now, you might not have heard a preacher say that before, but the truth is, is that the scriptures back me up on this again and again and again. Did you know there's a whole book called Lamentations? A whole book of poetry about someone crying out to God and asking for help. And certainly today in our passage from Habakkuk, we see this playing out. If you still have your Bibles open or if you want to flip there really quickly, that chapter 1, I want to read this verse for you again. Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 4. Well, really, it's verse 2 through 4. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. Church, that's how the book starts. (laughs) Habakkuk only goes on from there in the future chapters and things he has to say. But it's a strong reminder to us that he is expressing these emotions that that we might label negative. He's expressing them to God. He's being honest about the struggle he sees amongst the Hebrew people. And he's letting God know that he doesn't think it's okay. You have permission to talk with God like that as well. There's a lot in this world that deserves some righteous anger, if we're really honest. And now, again, we have to be careful of not letting our emotions dictate negative actions. But one of the great gifts that we have as Christians is to be able to bring that anger and that rage and that disappointment to God and to put it in God's hands. To tell God, this isn't right, and I want to see it change. To let God know that you are struggling personally with something. That you're feeling sad or lonely or hurt. This is one of those great ways that we as Christians are able to let go of some of those emotions that might result in health problems later on. You can bring it to God and express to God those negative emotions. And in that, healing can start to take place. You see, church, it's okay to be angry with God. And in fact, we are blessed to be able to bring our difficult emotions to God and to see what God can do with it. Which brings us to our third permission. Even in the midst of anger and struggle, we're still allowed to believe that God has a plan. You see, we can't just leave it at expressing the negative emotions. 
The hope is as well in, in, that our, in our being honest with God about what we're feeling and going through, we can rediscover the message of our faith. We can rediscover this idea that God still has a plan. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever difficulty is facing your life, you can bring it to God and then trust that God will work with it to do something new and good and beautiful. That God has a longer term plan than just the present moment and struggle. And certainly this was God's response to Habakkuk in the passage. God says in chapter 2, verse 3, For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Church, we are called to live by our faith and to trust in the fact that though things might not be right right now, God still has a longer-term plan for where this is all going. That is the hope that we need to make it through whatever difficulty we're facing right now. No matter what you're going through, the cornerstone of our Christian faith says that God has a long-term plan. And now I was thinking all week about trying to find the perfect story to tell you to illustrate this entire rhythm that we're seeing. And I had a couple of ideas until I realized that the perfect story is actually from the Bible. And it's about a guy named Moses. Have you heard of this guy? So let me just tell you a little bit about what Moses was going through. Moses had a very interesting childhood and a very difficult childhood in a lot of ways. And we won't go into all the details, but eventually he had to kind of run away from things. And he's in the wilderness and he takes up being a shepherd. So he's a shepherd of the sheep. He's walking around with his sheep when he sees, you know where it goes, a burning bush. What is this? Here's a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed by the fire. And he gets a little curious. And then, lo and behold, the burning bush was God trying to get his attention. And so then they start to have a conversation. And one of the first things that God does is God tells Moses to take off his shoes. Because he's standing on holy ground. He's giving Moses permission to be in this holy place. To have this sacred conversation. And now God knows... All the troublesome things that Moses had just done in Egypt. And yet God is still coming to this man to call him into something new. And in the course of their conversation, God lets Moses know, Hey, i got a plan for your life, Moses. And the plan is for you to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. And Moses is very honest with his emotions. He doesn't say, Oh, sure, God, gee whiz, let's do it. He has a lot of negative emotions, we might say, about this whole plan. He starts to say, he's like, you know, I'm not really good at talking. Probably wouldn't be a good person for this because I have a stutter. God's like, oh, no problem. We'll get your, we'll get your brother Aaron. He'll talk for you. Don't worry about it. And Moses is like, yeah, but what if, what if, the, Isra- what if the Israelites don't believe that you sent me? What, what name can I tell them? And God's like, my name is I am that I am. Don't worry about it. Let's keep moving along. Moses said, but what what if the Egyptians don't believe me? And then God says something very powerful that we often miss as we're reading through this. God says to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? 
And at that time, Moses was out shepherding sheep through the wilderness. And he looks at you like, oh, it's a, it's a shepherd's staff. Look what's in my hand. And God says, throw it on the ground. And God shows Moses these minor miracles that he can work by the power of God that'll help the Egyptians know that Moses is for real. But the important piece for us today, church, the important piece for us to recognize is that Moses has all these doubts and all these struggles about God's plan. And God's response is simply, what's in your hand? What have I already given to you? You see, church, God has a long-term plan. And oftentimes, our difficulties and our struggles blind us from the gifts that have already been placed within our hands. We often can't even see the little breadcrumbs that God's been leaving along the way, preparing us for what comes next. Moses was a shepherd. That doesn't make any sense until you recognize that God chose Moses to shepherd the Israelite people out of Egypt and into freedom. God's got a long-term plan, church. And God is giving you permission to, yes, be honest with your struggles, to cry out when things aren't right, but above all else, to believe that these difficulties at the present moment are just little pieces of the goodness and the greatness of God's long-term plan still to come. Whatever you're going through, church, today, I want you to be honest with God about it this week. Don't sugarcoat it. God's big enough to handle it. But more than that, believe that these present difficulties, that this present moment might actually just be the introduction to the long-term story that God's trying to tell in your life. There might be pieces of today that you never realized were actually gifts from God, preparing you for something powerful and beautiful in the years and months and weeks ahead. This is the heart of our faith, church. We believe that we can bring anything into the presence of God, and yeah, he can handle it. But more than that, we also believe in God's long-term plan for our life and for all of creation. This long-term plan that says that God will not rest until all of creation has been gathered into the loving and merciful arms of God. Amen. Amen.